This is a 3CR community radio podcast. Psychedelia is broadcast every Sunday from 2pm. For more info on anything you hear in the show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page. Good afternoon and welcome to Encyclopedia on this uh, rainy Sunday afternoon. Did anybody else get woken up by thunder at about uh, five in the morning? Uh, I thought it was on top of the house. It was sounding a bit ridiculous. This is Encyclopedia. Uh, my name's Nick and uh, on the program, uh, jam-packed program actually this afternoon uh, we will be catching up with uh, Anthony Gino who is uh, performing for the Melbourne, Melbourne International Comedy Festival um, we're going to be also giving away some passes so find out uh, stay tuned and find out how uh, we're uh, going to be catching up with uh, Students for Sensible Drug Policy Melbourne University uh, President Nick Kent who has recently turned from uh, returned from the US where he was at the International SSDP Conference and shortly we will be hearing from in fact in just a tech we're, uh, we're going to be hearing from Miss Guidance, who is from uh, the Nimbin Hemp Embassy. Uh, she and a number of other people from the Nimbin Hemp Embassy recently went over to the US, uh, over to, um, uh, well, uh, Washington, um, Oregon. I'm trying to think of my, my states in my head, and obviously my US geography isn't that great, and also um, parts of Canada as well. And we're going to be hearing from her in just a tick. We will be doing uh, talking about some of the uh, issues later in the program, but we're going to uh, be skipping news this week so we can get straight into um, our chat with Miss Guidance because it's a, it's a, it's a busy show. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, 3cr.org.au is the place to go if you want to find us on Facebook or Twitter where you can find uh, any of the information about some of the stuff we're talking about today. Right now, we are speaking with uh, with Miss Guidance from the Nimbin Hemp Embassy up in Nimbin, northern New South Wales. Miss Guidance, welcome to Encyclopedia. Thank you very much, Nick. I'm very excited to be on your show. Well, now I'm a bit excited to be chatting with you because you've just been on a bit of a uh, international foray. Can you tell us about what where you've been and what you've been up to? Yes, um, our study tour. <laughs> uh, we're, we're very myself and uh, Michael Balderstone, who's the president of the Australian Hemp Party and also the Hemp Embassy here in Nimbin. Uh, he and I were very fortunate beings to um, have been invited to uh, judge a cannabis cup in Vancouver in British Columbia in Canada. So we went off over there uh, to do that, but also, of course, um, you know, made use of the time to also visit at Seattle and Portland in the US to check out the recreational cannabis scene that had been um, going on in those states for a few years. So it was very interesting, I guess, the compare and contrast between those three places that are relatively close to each other, about, you know, about four hours from Vancouver to to Seattle, actually probably less <laughs> we did in a train, and then the same again to Vancouver. So they're all up uh, what we were told is uh, commonly known as the left coast, (laughs) as in, you know, uh, left wing. Uh, That encompasses California as well. 
and uh, most definitely the, uh, the, I guess, the spirit of uh, people power, of uh, the importance of civil disobedience against unjust laws, all of those uh, things were very evident in all of those three places. So just uh, so we're across it, um, so that was two states that you went to, one in the US and one in Canada. Uh, legal status of cannabis in those places? Yeah. Um, so uh, just to clarify, uh, Portland is in Oregon and uh, Seattle so is in Washington. So we went to two different US states and then Vancouver is in the state of uh, British Columbia in Canada. So yes, um, so essentially uh, the big difference between Canada and the US is that uh, due to um, uh, plebiscites that have happened or votes that have happened in those US states, uh, there is now legal recreational cannabis industries and markets uh, running in Oregon and Washington State. So uh, when we visited those places, we very much focused on the recreational stores. We didn't really investigate the state of medical at that uh, in those locations. Um, so uh, as opposed to Vancouver, where um, there was a ruling that was made a decade or so ago by the uh, the Supreme Court in Canada that um, uh, somehow allowed uh, people to choose the medicine they wished. Uh, it gave a bit of a green light for people to start opening dispensaries around the country. Um, on the face of us, uh, on the face of it, they're medical dispensaries. However, you just have to scratch the surface slightly and. Um, uh, definitely all of them except one that we encountered were very much recreational dispensaries. So when I say, um, you know, medical is the, the smoke screen or the, the um, uh, how can you say it, the veneer, uh, when you come in, you have to fill out a form and, and include information about um, uh, what medical conditions you're trying to um, deal with. Uh, and then you're put into their database and then you can just go and buy weed from, from that Vancouver dispensary. So there's there's like a I guess a bit of theatre about it being um, medical. Uh, to me, uh, I think it's very important for um, for regulated industries in the cannabis realm to indeed uh, very much have a difference between medical and recreational dispensaries because um, definitely the medical use of cannabis is uh, very very important in regards to dealing with some very very serious illnesses and. Um, for people to have proper consultations, guidance, visits from doctors as part of their use of cannabis um, dealing with a serious medical condition is very important. So the, uh, the dispensaries we visited in Vancouver, all of them except one, um, did not have doctors um, on their location or any kind of uh, medical or educational consultation to do with cannabis and a medical condition. So one that we went to did. They wouldn't uh, service at all. We had to see a doctor first and uh, and go from there. Um, however, the others, we could easily just sign up and buy pot. So um, where does this fit in? I know Canada is looking at um, uh, pushing forward uh, some, some sort of uh, more well-rounded uh, legalisation uh, legislation soon. Mm. But, I mean, if it's already sort of de facto legalised, it's just sort of going to 
change that situation, make it a bit more sensible. I mean, it, it, what a bizarre yeah, situation. Cause, uh, yeah, because only about a few days after we visited Vancouver, just this has just happened in the last few weeks, the, um, the federal police um, in Canada have raided a number of dispensaries across the country um, belonging to um, a very well-known uh, Canadian cannabis activist, Mark Emery. So he has a bit of a franchise or a bit of a chain of stores across Canada now called Cannabis Culture. Those um, stores are head shops. Uh, however, one of them um, was a, a cannabis lounge where you could sit and, and consume cannabis uh, and attached to that was a dispensary that had no pretensions of all of being medical. It was totally recreational. So he's definitely a business person who's pushing the envelope. It appears that um, the raids that have happened excuse me most recently with him were um to do with uh basically i guess stepping outside of what's um acceptable at the moment Mm. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink of water. Um, so I am it, indeed. <laughs> this is uh, 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. You're listening to In Psychedelia. We're on the line now. We have misguidance from the Nimbin Hemp Embassy in Nimbin, North and New South Wales, uh, talking to us a bit about a uh, research journey uh, that her and uh, Michael Borderstone from the Nimbin Hemp Embassy have been conducting uh, across um, Oregon, Washington State in the US and also the British Columbia uh, state in Canada and three cities there. So uh, both Oregon and Washington state have legalised cannabis now. How was the uh, how was the legal market getting underway there? Because it's only been fairly recent. I'm not yeah, sure if it's even yeah. all started. It has been indeed. Um, basically... Uh Excuse me. Basically, those two states were quite different in um, in how they were approaching it. Uh, different in as much as we've also visited Colorado before, which is another state that um, allows recreational cannabis, and we uh, noticed that. Um, Unlike uh, Portland or um, Oregon and Colorado, Washington had uh, their dispensaries were basically full of products already in packages. And a lot of these packages were incredibly bright and colourful. Um, they were hanging on the walls everywhere. So the, the stores in uh, Seattle, the dispensaries were very colourful and bright and big and um, probably everything that all the wowsers that are against legalisation would not like. Mm. Uh, they were also, this is in Seattle, they were also, um, there were a lot of people in them. Um, definitely every time we went to a dispensary, 20, 30, 40, lots of people waiting around to be served. Now we, um, so this is, this is different to uh, both um, Canada, Colorado and Oregon, where for instance, you'd go to a dispensary where, um, for example, herb or other products, it's, uh, it's not uh, in individual packaging, it's just in generic jars and you choose and then it's packaged for you. Uh, and also uh, most of the aesthetics of those um, businesses are very minimalist and low key, as in most of the products they have, um, they keep sort of behind the, uh, the doors, so as to speak, and then when you choose them off menus, um, they will then get them for you. So there was a big difference. Now, we were told that the reason is in Seattle, the licensing arrangements that the government have put in place for recreational cannabis um, have resulted in um, a lot less dispensaries than what you find in Oregon or, um, or Colorado. 
Uh, the other issue about Washington is that they uh, essentially... Um, they do not allow people to grow their own. So in Colorado and Oregon, for instance, you are still able to legally, or you're able legally to grow some uh, plants your own. So I guess where you've got a state where you've removed that from the legal option for people, then you've got a bigger market of people that have to go to, you know, for instance, the store to buy. I guess it, it would be a situation where, you know, you're not allowed to brew beer, you only can go to the pub and buy it. So um, that... That was the, the big differences we noticed uh, between those states. Um, and then with, um, with uh, Vancouver, uh, there were basically, we were told, over 100 dispensaries in Vancouver alone. So as a consequence, um, definitely they too were more sparsely uh, decorated and also you'd only encounter maybe a couple of people in the store while you were there. Yeah, so there was a big difference in, I guess, the volume of people being dealt with by uh, the dispensaries in Washington as opposed to the other places. While you were over uh, over there doing your research journey, did you uh, get a chance to have a chat to some of the people that have been involved with these uh, changing laws and, and on the front line of setting up these new regulated industries and, and get a feel for some of the things that they felt were going right and some that they didn't feel were quite right yet? Yeah, okay. So let me, um, I'll just go back to Canada because I was talking, when I started coughing, I got a, I was talking about my Mark Emery, who's been a major activist, and he's got a number of stores open now. So he, um, uh, basically, the uh, Canadian government is indeed talking about um, setting up a legal recreational um, industry in Canada. However, um, that hasn't happened yet. And in fact, they keep um, pushing back the time that they will do it. So the spirit of um, different activists, frontline activists that we met in, um, in, uh, in Vancouver was very much, this is all taking too long, it's just ridiculous. So people like Mark Emery, I guess, stick their neck out and open, just just start doing, I guess it's like uh, doing what you want the reality to be, <laughs> yep. as in do, dreaming the reality into, um, into action. So, uh, for instance, when Emery's stores were raided, uh, f- we heard that four hours later they were open again. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's a big uh, network of activists. And when I say open again, it means that all the stock and all the herb and everything that was taken from them um, was four hours later they were replenished and open and opening and happening again. So the the you know the activists on that scene would just say, well, this government's just taking too long. We're just doing what they reckon you know they're going to do anyway. Uh, but certainly the government then doesn't like that. They they will um, you know for instance. Uh, take out certain people or try to make life difficult. Now, that being said, um, we heard that when there's been other raids at different times with different businesses, if one closes down, a new dispensary will just reopen. Uh, people are all, people running dispensaries in Vancouver also um, fi- are fined by the local council now and again. Um, it's mainly to do with um, uh, smoking <laughs> uh, regulations, uh, and they just, for instance, ignore the fines. So there's um, there's actually uh, they have uh, a great group of um, of uh, very active lawyers and legal people who are there to also help um, the uh, I guess the cause. So that's um, a really exciting thing to have um, encountered when we were there as well. Uh, and in fact, for now for Mardi Gras coming up in May five to the seventh of May, we have one of the major lawyers from Vancouver. His name's Rob Laurie coming over to talk to us about, I guess, the 
the way that Canadians are um, actively trying to make change with uh, cannabis laws through the legal system and he'll probably talk about some of the major cases that have happened over the years. Uh, the other thing to mention about good old Canada is um, is they have a charter of rights, of human rights, similar, I guess, to the Americans' Bill of Rights. Uh, dear old Australia doesn't have such a beast. So, for example, in Canada, the uh, judicial ruling that happened uh, 10 or so years ago that have allowed basically people to be brave enough to get into opening dispensaries was based on the Human Rights Charter, which um, declared that people have a right to choose their own medicine. So that has been the green light for people to start opening cannabis dispensaries. So, yeah. Interesting. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a totally... I guess one of the most fascinating things about going on such a little visit like this to gain information is how different Australia is, how incredibly way behind we are. And I'm really talking about um, the attitudes of uh, so-called politicians, uh, police especially. Um, they're, they're really lost in reefer madness still, or I guess they're lost in the, um, the wonderful budgetary sort of benefits of prohibition. Mm. Um, they, whereas other, in other jurisdictions in uh, US, in Canada or whatever, at least um, people in those positions of power um, are definitely more enlightened in some ways or more prepared to, um, to really work with you know, how things are changing on the ground. Uh, now, mm. while you were over there, um, we saw a pretty interesting picture po uh, pop up in one of the uh, news stories about your adventure over there. I think it might have been from um, the uh, Echo, which is one of the uh, publications up in the northern uh, New South Wales region, um, of a shop that you visited called Nimbin. <laughs> you, you found Nimbin. I not know, in Nimbin, I know. Right? It's wild, isn't it? So... Um, we actually had um, heard about that before we went. When we were, we did a little bit of, we did do a little bit of homework <laughs> to try to work out where we were going and what we were doing. So we had heard of them, and we did uh, contact them prior to going and send them some stuff from from uh, the embassy here and from Mardi Gras. So, um, but that was quite wild. And apparently, one of the people that own the shop or started the shop, they have a relative that lives around here in Nimbin. Um, uh, the the local paper was actually the Northern Star, and unfortunately, they say this Nimbin pot shop is in uh, Vancouver, but it wasn't. It was in it's in Seattle, Washington. Right. Um, Thank you so, for the correction. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, it was quite a scene because. I must say that in my experience with um, now seeing dispensaries across three straits, states and in Canada, uh, that there's not really too many hippies in sight. So um, basically once things become regulated and legal, um, there's a different aesthetic or um, whatever is presented to the general public, probably things that are more mainstream rather than being a bit more offbeat. So the Nimbin pot shop was actually quite unusual in its aesthetic compared to other shops because it was full of hippie stuff and combi, uh, combis <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was wacky actually. It was um, like being in Nimbin and uh, so yeah, that was a lot of fun to encounter that and there, um, what was also interesting about that particular dispensary was the bud tenders or the people serving there were definitely um, much older people. Most of the dispensaries we went to, I guess, uh, 20, 30-somethings are working in them. Right. 
So, yeah, we could also start talking about the huge amount of employment that is being generated oh, yes. through the legal cannabis industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, to, just to manage the, uh, the scale of the industry from manufacturing to retail, uh, it's thousands, thousands of jobs. Um, yes. But um, we won't get too stuck into that at the moment. We're just about out of time. This is 3CR. Uh, you're listening to In Psychedelia, and we are speaking with misguidance from the Nimbin Hemp Embassy in Nimbin, New South Wales. Um, but before we finish up... Uh, uh, Ms. Guidance, maybe you can tell us a little bit about Mardi Gras because it's uh, uh, about yes. a month, month oh, and a half away God, now. don't even say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, yeah, uh, I hope everybody um, who's interested in cannabis law reform wants to come and lend their, um, their uh, sort of body and mind to the cause. It's from the 5th to the 7th of May this year in Nimbin. Um, it's an amazing um, gathering. It's up to the 25th year. The vow is it will continue until um, that beautiful herb is legal. Um, we focus on three major things. We focus on protest, we focus on education, and we also celebrate the great plant. So all those things are really important over that weekend, and we encourage people to come and join us. It's also probably the cheapest event in the entire universe these days. Um, you can come and get... Uh, camping for three nights plus entry to all Mardi Gras events for a mere $150 um, or uh, you know it's, it's, a, it's a legendary gathering and one of the other things I noticed about being overseas is um, in Vancouver for instance their annual 420 protest, believe it or not, has up to 100,000 people attend. Whoa. Can you believe it? And it's a city of around a million people. We, so, yeah, we've so, got 4 million, and I think last uh, here in Melbourne, I think we had about 4,000 yeah. uh, people at our last 420. I was say, and Melbourne and Victoria is always by far the biggest um, sort of collection, really, of, um, of cannabis people and psychedelic people in this country. Um, like you guys always have the biggest um, celebrations. So, uh, yeah, definitely we can see um, from that statistic how incredibly active and important um, the cannabis scene is for people in Vancouver. Uh, so for those that are interested in uh, attending Mardi Gras, and that's not Mardi Gras, that's a different event, Mardi Gras <laughs> with two S's Correct. Um, up in Nimbin, it's, uh, when's it happening and where do we go for yeah, information? Um, it's basically good old uh, Nimbin Mardi Gras grass.com is the website and uh, it's from the 5th to the 7th of May. Uh, it's a legendary event, seriously, 25 years of passionate um, drug law reform activis activism in this area. Um, you know, the embassy conducts it 24-7, 365 days a year. So yeah, inviting everyone to come and join us. Um, a big part of the Mardi Gras weekend is the Hemposium, which is our conference, and this year we have speakers, of course, from North America coming. Um, we have people, we have uh, David Shoebridge coming and doing some amazing workshops. Uh, we've got, uh, yeah, basically a really excellent program to, uh, I think, sort of explode your mind in all sorts of ways, and that's not just from uh, smoking the weed. <laughs> and by the way, in legal <laughs> weed markets, you get really excellent weed, and you can choose the excellent weed you like as well. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we haven't got time to even talk about that, but that's another whole sort of thing. Once again, is um, once something is legal, people are able to concentrate on excellence as opposed mm. to concentrating on evading the law. Exactly. Uh, Ms. Guidance, thank you very much for joining us on Inside.
Mike and Elliot today. Good luck with the rest of planning of Mardi Gras and uh, hope to see you there. I'm hoping to get up there this year. I, I don't know how I'm going to do that yet, but uh, <laughs> maybe if I wish it enough. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Nick. I know you've been trying for a few now. Am I going to guess and say your baby is now two years old yep, coming about, up? Yep, coming to two. She'll be two yep. a week after Mardi Gras. Okay, wow. Well, Nick, um, everybody, Nick was so passionate too about his, um, his causes that he was thinking to come to Mardi Gras when his babe was being born. Yeah, unfortunately, it uh, wasn't such a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Anyway, we'll look forward to um, sort of welcoming you and your family here at some point. Yes, I hope, hope it's this year, but we'll, we'll find out. Thanks very much, cool. Ms. Gard. It's <laughs> Uh, hi, my name's Sarah. I love coming here because they offer vegan food. Hi, my name's Paul. I've, this is my first time at Friends of the Earth. I think it's really awesome and the food's great, really healthy and nutritious. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op, 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. A tuneful experience. A 3CR supporter. Harm reduction refers to policies, programs and practices that aim primarily to reduce the adverse health, social and economic consequences of the use of legal and illegal psychoactive drugs without necessarily reducing drug consumption. Harm reduction benefits people who use drugs, their families and the community. If you want to know more about harm reduction in Victoria, head to hrvic.org. Harm Reduction Victoria is a non-profit, user-based and user-governed organisation which aims to educate, inform, support and advocate for people who use drugs, their friends, families and broader community. This is in Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM digital and streaming at the website, 3cr.org.au. Uh, we've got a, uh, a big show this afternoon. You just heard from Miss Guidance from the Nimbin Hemp Embassy. Later on, we will be speaking with uh, Nick Kent, president of the SSDP chapter at University University of Melbourne, and also Penny Hill, the president of SSDP Australia. But right now in the studio for uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival uh, 2017 uh, is uh, Anthony Gino, who... Um, Oh, my screensaver came on, is in his third year of performing at the Comedy Fest uh, with Under His Belt, Rage Against the Man-Child, and Unacceptable and a Half. Is that, did I get that right? Uh, no, that was Harold Sun's weird. Um, oh, right, they, they didn't quite, yeah, didn't yeah, quite yeah. get it. So what was, yeah. the, what was the last one? Just Unacceptable uh, was the first show, and then Rage Against the Man-Child was the second. Excellent. But, okay. So this is third year of um, yeah. Comedy Fest. Anthony, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Nick. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Uh, now, now your, um, your uh, show is um, Just Like Buddha this yep. year. Uh, do you want to, what, what made you choose this name uh the title was 100 percent my art director's decision if i'm being honest i wanted to call it life's a trip and he was like i don't know how i'll do a poster for that and then he talked through <laughs> themes and uh this is where we got to <laughs> right okay so obviously there's um there's some kind of uh, theme of uh of uh transcendentalness maybe look i'm just going with trip yeah. to buddha <laughs> yeah. obviously that was what your graphic yeah. designer thought so yeah it was uh <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah 
So um, you're, it's about working in advertising, um, but also being politically socialist. Yeah. Going through a breakup and, and trying to find mindfulness and meditation, um, while also finding that magic mushrooms are a uh, part of that journey to let go of control and find peace. Yeah. It sounds very serious, Anthony. I got to say, yeah. like you've got. <laughs> when you say it like that, it sounds like there's no room for jokes. But no, I promise they're there. <laughs> there's, there's jokes in there. Okay. Well, um, uh, maybe run us through. Uh, where, where does this Where does this story begin? Is this I guess the, the story begins a lot with scene setting, so it's about the fact that my whole life I kind of thought I'd, I'd go to uni and get a good job and get a good girlfriend and then that that's it. And then you get to 30 and you're like, I've done all that, clocked the game, yep. still not feeling good, and there's <laughs> another 40 years left of life if I'm lucky, so I better 40. figure out. 40 if you're lucky. Yeah. I think you're underestimating me. Uh, I'm quite a big dude, so I feel like any <laughs> existential crisis from this point on is probably a midlife crisis. Um, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so it was about just, like, figuring out that I needed to to reassess and reevaluate the way I look at myself and the way I spend my time and just be a little bit more peaceful and need less and accept more, I guess. Um, it, sounds, it sounds like a, a journey that we hear... Um many people on on their their, their quest for mindfulness have yeah. you have you found mindfulness uh i, I don't think you ever find it but I, <laughs> I i think you get to a point where you're you're satisfied that is if this is all that it was you'd be okay and i think i'm i'm pretty much there um which is really nice and also not funny <laughs> <laughs> Do all the jokes run out when you're there? Is that? Uh, no, I, I don't think so because I think there's infinite room for reflection on on the way things are, and and infinite room to acknowledge or realize things that you used to probably get caught up on. And I think if anything, uh, it, it might get a little bit easier when when you're not as personally invested, but you can still kind of play the double game and jump into the way things you can see the way things would have been for you but you're not really there anymore and you can probably have more fun playing with the ideas than you would if you were personally attached to them i guess mm-hmm. yep 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 i'm seeing where you're going with this now yep. um <laughs> the the sort of um uh the wild card i don't know if it's a wild it's a psychedelic wild card the magic mushrooms um yep. part now they they've come in there um obviously there's a lot of research that's going on yep. um into psilocybin the uh, active ingredient of um magic mushrooms for treating a, a range of things like um depression and anxiety and uh, all sorts of things this is in a clinical setting yep. um presume that you were not um a, a <laughs> clinical patient in the past when you might have uh well what, I, whatever you did with mushrooms uh <laughs> Do you want to tell us a story about uh, the came from these? Uh... Yeah. Okay. So I was doing a lot of meditation stuff and going to different classes, different groups. And it was funnily enough, a friend from work, not from any of those groups who I was talking about, who was like, have you tried magic mushrooms? And I was like, no. And I hadn't done any sort of recreational drugs or any drugs since probably nine years, I reckon it would have been. And they sent me a couple links to some research. And I was like, wow, that is really interesting. Uh, And so the first time I I, I got an Airbnb uh, to hang out. And that was a terrible idea. Because uh, (laughs) halfway through, I I got fixated on a bedside photo of a guy and a girl in front of uh, the London Bridge. Um, And I have a similar photo with uh, my partner and I got fixated on the fact that I was a lot older in that photo and then that that wasn't me in that photo and I was like, where am I? Why am I not in that photo? (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> so that was my first experience. Um, but then there was heaps of like die rising and stuff. And I think uh, looking back, the the first thing I realized was the amount of time I spend um, trying to evaluate things while I'm doing them. And I think the very first time I took magic mushrooms, I, I reckon it took me two hours into the trip. I, you got no perspective of time, but it felt like two hours into the trip where I was still like, is this it? Like, am I tripping? And the walls are like morphing and colors are floating in and out. And I'm still like, oh, maybe I'm not tripping. Maybe I'm just panicking. Like, I'm just <laughs> still trying to evaluate everything as it happens. And that was a, a, a huge thing that I didn't even realize I was doing until I read back the diaries. And I was like, oh my God, dude. Just relax a little bit. Um, and then the first time I did them socially as well, uh, I, I had a huge realization of like, we had a, a mixed group. Some of us were taking and some of us were not. And one of our friends had quite a challenging trip. And for some reason, I felt the need to put myself in that situation. And then it was the first time I ever had the clarity to be like, why do you feel like you're always the person who should be fixing things? And there are other people who are more qualified. And I'd never realized that about myself, that I wanted to fix everything personally. So it's, it's been, there's been some huge stuff out of it that I've really, I'm so grateful to have actually figured out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you're going to be speaking about this on stage yeah. as well. And um, um, uh, tell us a little bit about the show. So you've got that coming up starting this Wednesday. Um, at uh, at the Thousand Pound Bend. Yeah. Um, I think tickets are $15 and you can yeah. go to comedyfestival.com.au to find uh, tickets under Anthony Genot. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're talking about uh, mushrooms in the show and, yeah. and uh, talking about, uh, but not just that, like a, a number yeah. of things. It seems like a lot of it is, is just realising. It's like this... Um, well, you, was, you were saying a half-life, half-life crisis. I'm going to say third life. I've got a little bit more... Uh, <laughs> Uh, optimism. optimism for the future of healthcare um, as well. But look, you never know. You never know. Um, uh, yeah. T- uh, I've lost some words. <laughs> tell us a little... Yeah. No, what what else words. is yeah. in the show? Yeah, uh, tell us some more. Yeah, I guess it, it's, it is that. It's like, um, I feel like it's it's so common for our generation to to get to the point that they have everything that they thought they needed to be happy and then go, well, this isn't what I thought it was. It's like getting the booby prize in a lucky dip, I guess. Um, and so it, it's just about trying to, to rectify that. There's a little bit about a trip to Sweden as well, which was uh, probably where where I learned to balance like the the need for acceptance, but then also just having some things that you naturally won't accept all the time and I think once I got to a point uh where I was feeling good about myself that became the next thing is that anytime I felt negative emotions I was like well you shouldn't be feeling like this you've done all this work I think Sweden was where I figured out how to deal with that side of things um and then there's just dumb dick jokes and stuff like that as well. Like there's there's dumb dating stories and all the little offshoots of of uh, things of life, yeah, yeah, life stuff that happens along the way. Ash, the um, Melbourne Comedy Festival is one of the big ones. Uh, it's, there's a lot of comedians around, and, and they tend to be have a bit of a reputation for being party animals. <laughs> some of them. Have you um, had some fun getting out there with the other comedians and you know I, having a post show drink or something? I am yet to really do that. I've always been working during comedy. For, I mean, I go to the main uh, closing parties and stuff like that, but I, I. I'm not good at parties. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just, I, I find myself again, and probably uh, one of the reasons that I did get into this line of things is I, I, when there's too many people around, I'm 
kind of judging everything everyone might be thinking. Because you've got the evaluation yeah. process. And so yep. I tend to get into the thing and, and see all the people who intimidate me and say hi and, and leave. <laughs> um, I, I often, like, I find, like, you'll get into a small group conversation and then that group will grow and grow and grow. And then I'll be like, do you know what would be great if I could continue this but by myself somewhere else. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm not great at the big festival parties, but they, I've, I've, I hear all the stories, and I'm sure they're they're fun if you're that way inclined. Yeah. Uh, do you find um, that it's? Uh, I mean, at the comedy fest, I'm sure you get people that are a bit drunk that you have to perform to, and, and there's differences. Uh, I imagine the audience audience dynamic would be quite different with a sober sort of crowd as com- as opposed to a, yeah. a, a drunk crowd. Um, and I don't know if you've um, performed for people uh, under other. Uh, 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 influences, but uh, have you had yeah any interesting uh, yeah. notes on? Yeah, so I guess with people who are drunk, it depends on uh, often their motivation for getting drunk as well. Like people at a bucks party or a hen's night or an after work drinks where they've already given themselves permission to be a bit of a dick when they're drunk oh my god get out of here they're just because they don't want to see the show they want to be the show do you know what i mean uh whereas like generally like a normal audience who are just out to see the show and that's what they're there for there's kind of a couple drinks in they start to loosen up and they, they become a better audience um and then i've not really been able to really distinguish other people except there was a gig I did on a couple of weeks ago on Monday that a, a massive stoner group came to and they were the best crowd I've ever performed <laughs> so it was so good surprised <laughs> uh, yeah. um, have you performed anywhere else other than Melbourne or has it just been Melbourne more or less yeah no I've been right around I've done Adelaide Sydney in Australia and then I've done uh, Stockholm when I was in Sweden and uh, London as well when I was in Europe um, and London and Melbourne quite similar Adelaide I found liked me less <laughs> <laughs> Sydney was about the same as Melbourne and Stockholm was the best audience I've ever performed to but I think really? they, they have a really weird relationship with English because all their art, media, entertainment is often in English, but then they, they've got a very anti-American sentiment at the same time. So I think they just loved somebody coming in who spoke English but was not American. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, I see. Is it, yeah, because I was going to say, how does that go? Do they all speak English as a second language there? Is oh, that yeah, they've what's... got a, like 98, 99% English oh, literacy, wow. but they, they still don't like you making them talk English first. Like, there's yeah. still that basic respect thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but they're lovely. It's it's the best audience I was I've performed to. So the show is uh, is uh, called I've lost the name. Just like but thank you, <laughs> Anthony and Anthony Janot is who we're speaking to. Uh, comedyfestival.com.au is the place to go to find tickets and more information about the show, uh, running from April twelfth this Wednesday until the twenty third. Uh, we also do have some double passes to give away. Uh, we're going to be giving these away on the Encyclopedia website, uh, which we'll share on the social media as well. Um, so if you just head to encyclopedia.org, you can enter now uh, for one of the double passes. We'd love to hear from uh, from you as well. If you have a story that you might like to tell us, uh, perhaps you've got a, uh, a, a a funny experience or an experience that kind of seems funny in retrospect, but at the time it was the you know worst possible yeah. thing imaginable, and you just like uh, maybe Airbnb. your story with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And on opening night as well, you are going to be giving uh, 10% of the uh, funds to uh, PRISM, Psychedelic Research in Science and Medicine. Yeah, uh, yeah. so 10% of every night goes to a different charity. Just uh, part of the whole Buddhism thing is Dharma, and I wanted to include that. Opening night, we've got PRISM. 
Excellent. Um, who, what other charities have you got? Uh, Can't so remember. Th- <laughs> yeah, I, there's like uh, the Orangutan Project who do some stuff in Malaysia. Uh, I've got a couple cancer groups. There is the Orange Pigeon, who are this amazing organization that my friend got me in touch with, who do pretty much make a wish for adults because terminally ill adults often get neglected. So it was cool to find out about them. Um, Minus 18, who do sort of queer um, wellness and uh, formals and stuff like that. Um, there's a, some a whole bunch. Sure that I'm forgetting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, eleven shows. So Anthony, thanks very much for um, coming thanks on for to having in, me in Psychedelia today. Cheers. Uh, this next song is from Staunch. It is Alpha Mode featuring Cash on in Psychedelia on Three CR. Check it out. 
It's staunch uh, with um, with a song, uh, soundcloud.com. <laughs> you can find it. It's called Alpha Mode, uh, fe- featuring Cash on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. This is in Psychedelia, and we uh, it is competition time. If you didn't hear, you can win a double pass uh, to Anthony's show, uh, which is starting uh, this week as well, comedyfestival.com.au for more information there, um, or in psychedelia.org. Uh, to enter the competition um, and if you can't find us go to the 3CR website and then you'll find us there and if that's not enough websites for you um, uh, no, that's as many as I've got you've got t- it's like so much ability to use all these tabs now just open so many tabs uh, Nick Kent president of the <laughs> hey. for Central Drug Policy at Melbourne University Nick how you doing? Good thanks how are you Nick? Yeah alright a little manic I think yeah. I don't know. <laughs> something about the weather yeah um, now, you've just returned from California? Uh, Oregon, Portland. O- Oregon, yep. sorry. Mm. Uh, again, you know, that, that side of Less the US. Case, yeah. um, you were there for the uh, International SSDP Conference. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. How was it? Yeah, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a fascinating experience. Um, yeah, so um, a little bit of context. SSDP, we've been up in Australia for like the last year or so, but um, it's an international organization, so they've been going in the US for about... 20 years or so um, and they've got in- a lot of international chapters around the world as well so there's about 12 or so countries represented um, and most of the US states were represented um, and there's about 400 students from around the world that um, yeah made up this event over like three three days over the weekend we, yeah. were you the only Australian representative? I was yeah yeah so um, yeah was representing our chapter at the University of Melbourne I suppose um, unofficially the whole the whole sort of movement down here um, and yeah um, yeah, that was sort of that's that's the start of it. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, how many of the New Zealanders this year? Uh, there wasn't any New Zealanders. Unfortunately, so that's, that's yeah. Penny with the croaky voice. Uh, Sorry, Penny the... I don't know why my voice is like this. But <laughs> I won't speak so much today. Yeah. Let's blame the weather again. Mm. It can be blamed for all things today. Sure. That's what yeah. Melbournians do. Yeah. Um, so cool. you you were um, meeting with a lot of uh, people from uh, all across the world and seeing yeah. what sorts of issues are on their plates. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're looking a lot at drug checking. That's one that's uh, yep. popping up a lot. Um, injecting center is yep. a big one. Um, the uh, uh, sniffer dogs as well yep. pops up every now and then. What mm-hmm. sorts of issues are on the radar of other? Um... Yeah, good question. Cool. Um, so yeah, we did. Yeah, there was a lot of like events talking about obviously. Yeah, people representing their communities and the issues that that are faced there. Um, a big, like I, I shared a lot of um, you know information with a lot of the US and Canadian people who for, who for drug checking is a, an important issue as well. Um, so they have. What's the situation there? Um, so in the US, for example, because we've like I've done a fair bit of work, um, you know, around reagent program like programs to give out reagent testing here with um, what we're trying to do at Melbourne Uni, and um, it was really interesting to chat to a lot of the people in the US who. Um, are going through a, uh, a similar situation in terms of dealing with like the legislation and the sort of systematic opposition that you come up against in trying to do that. Um, and yeah, it was really interesting. A few like specific examples that I came up with. The, my roommate um, actually was from um, Northwestern University in Chicago, and for example, for them, it's really a state um, issue. So um, state legislation really depends on how you can roll out a, a drug checking program. So in, in terms of where they're at with the um, sort of broader issue it's largely similar to Australia um, in terms of reagent kits is kind of all we can do um, until the legislation changes um, but for for Aaron in um, Illinois it's an issue of like drugs 
drug testing kits are classified as paraphernalia, so they're illegal and they're, it's essentially impossible to supply them. Yeah, because um, the US has a lot of these um, uh, sort of broader laws like the paraphernalia mm. uh, laws and the, um, I think even the, I think it was nicknamed the Rave Act, um, which you might have heard yep. about as well, mm. um, which uh, even probably led some venues to not uh, give out water because it might yeah, have been right. considered a drug harm reduction thing, which was considered <laughs> encouraging wow. drug use. And yeah, yeah um, there might have mm. been some uh, some some things going on there. Yeah. Was there any of the CSSDP, the Canadians, talking about drug checking? Yes. So um, yeah, and I'll just just I'll do go two things there because I do I don't want anyone to think that it's um, you know a paraphernalia issue through the whole US. For example, in California, it's a totally different thing and there's a lot of different movements to hand out reagent kits at unis there. Um, in terms of CSSDP, so that's the Canadian um, organisation. Um, and yes, they had Alex and Naz both from CSSDP um, mm. and Alex Betsis was talking, or he was part of a... Um, yeah, one of the sessions was on, um, what was it called? Test Before You Ingest, Creating a Culture of Testing on Campus. Um, and so, um, yeah, that was when we did a lot of conversations about... Testing on campus? Um, yeah, or, okay. or providing that culture on campus. Oh, okay. um, through Which is, yeah, a lot of what they do, a lot of the Californians are doing um, their SSDP chapters. Um, but yeah, Alex from Canada... Um, was talking about um, so Karmic is the he works for Karmic which is like a harm reduction mm -hmm. essential like service just like sort of dance wise here um, uh, in British Columbia I believe like around Vancouver mm. and um, yeah he was talking about um, he's a real expert on, on the issue so he chimed in at the end with a lot of like you know happy hints for us here places that we can look um, mm, cool. and people that we can speak to so yeah um, in terms of what they're doing there I believe it's reagent testing in, in through Karmic I Vancouver. think they do have a big push for um, upgrade testing. Yeah. They were doing some fundraising. Was it Karmic doing the fundraising or was yeah, it I Dance Yeah, I think they were involved or? in it. No, no, it, was, it would have been Karmic because one of the problems in um, Canada in particular, it's not just about like the kind of adulterated pills that we have here. It's about like the super strong um, opiate an analogs, yeah. yeah, fentanyl yeah. and things like that. And so the reagent kits are completely insufficient to mm. reduce the risk there because they might tell you that there's some opiate-based products in a pill or a powder, but they won't tell you that it's fentanyl and that like yep. just a small amount of it could cause a fatal overdose. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> some, <laughs> exactly. some of the other yeah. uh, sessions. Mm. Yeah. Oh, great. Cool. Well, you so spoke we on could, a session, didn't um, you? Yes, I did. So, oh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. So, um, well, I suppose one of the reasons why I, I got the opportunity to go was um, I was with Penny, um, our SDP Australia president in Thailand earlier in the year for an international youth convening about... Um, sort of starting to get these international youth drug policy organisations networking more formally and efficiently, I suppose. Um, so I met um, Jake, the international outreach coordinator for the SSCP US organisation there. And, um, yeah, and then he, I think, yeah, was just sort of trying to put together the panels and stuff like that. And he got a few of us from Thailand to, um, to come over and be a part of the conference and to also speak about one on one of the panels, which was um, developing a global youth coalition around drug policy for 2019 uh, when the UN looks at um, international drug laws again. Um, properly or something. Penny? I can yeah. I'll talk all about that <laughs> yeah. probably another um, time. Yeah, yeah well, it'll take me a long time to explain how that's yeah. going. To work. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask a little bit more on that now, but it is a big topic. Look, Such it, a big topic. It, yeah. it's this. All of this is a big topic, and I'm yeah. sure you would have, you know, seen the variety of slightly different issues as well that yeah. um, different areas have. Um, was there, Was there anything that you noticed there that um, was on the radar? You know, really flashing on the radar for some um, uh, SSDP chapters that we just we. Don't see 
Um, hmm. Anything sort Good of question. novel and strange that you were like, wow. You know. Yeah, like obviously, because there were Latin American um, representatives there. So they've got EPST, which is like SSCP in Spanish at, um, in Mexico, Bolivia and Chile. Um, and I think like a lot of the issues there um, are just because they, they sort of live within the drug war, you know, in terms of like geographical proximity to the violence and all that kind of stuff. And so a lot of the issues that they, they face there are... Uh, so, yeah, sort of more frontline in the sense that, um, yeah, dealing. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't know exactly how it, like manifests, but like some of them were talking about like, um, you know, interactions with the the chain of of command within cartels and all that kind of stuff, right. and and just how um, how proximity to those kind of issues just changes the whole drug policy debate. And mm. whereas here mm. we're relatively sheltered from all of that. Um, is, yeah. there a, is there class mm. things in there? Did Absol- you, absolutely, yeah. yeah, totally. Um, and obviously the way it infects Indigenous communities and stuff like that um, is, yeah, I mean, what I took away from it is just that the, um, the generally from the conference is the, the, the way the drug war really affects like local communities in all kinds of places around the world, particularly developing countries and stuff like that. We also, there was a session on like West African perspectives in drug use and policy. So they've got SSDP chapters in Nigeria and Ghana as well. Right. Um, and so they were talking there about... Um, I think a lot of the issues there are really more around destigmatization and um, around um, may- maybe uh, certain types of drug using communities. Um, I was going to say, is it, yeah. is particularly with um, HIV and HIV? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, um, and yeah, I think it was really interesting to hear about that. that. Was actually the first session I went to to hear from those representatives talk about that because they, um, you know, they, they were saying how they sort of live in. De, you know democratic countries which do have freedom of speech and um you know the right to advocacy and all that kind of thing but they also deal with a society that is quite conservative in terms of its attitude to drugs its knowledge about harm reduction and all that kind of stuff so mm. it was yeah it was just really fascinating to hear about how the different people who you know we all are on the same page in mm. like and we all ha- have exactly the same understanding of how this future of drug policy should go um but yeah it's really interesting to hear about how we tackle it in within our local context and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. um, something as well we can mm-hmm. do through the SSDP network. Mm-hmm. There is the SSDP Nigeria and Sierra Leone and I think Ghana have a regular spot on radios in their you know, local yeah, radio right. stations yep. in their countries. So mm-hmm. when I've just been chatting to people at different things, they're really keen to come on our show and, and we go on their show and things like I that. Think so that could be really cool. Yeah, that's something totally. we should um, have a chat more about after the show because uh, 3CR also has a number of, um, uh, oh, of course, yeah. uh, other languages um, that are broadcast. Yeah, Maybe cool. there's some matching up to do. We'll talk about that part after the show, though. Yeah, totally. Um, was there any particular standout thing or anything that you were you know really looking forward to? Um, that Yeah, um, totally. I think... Um, a couple of the they because they have sort of keynote speakers um, and stuff like that, so they had two sort of sessions, and they were probably both like yeah highlights for sure. Um, the first one was around um, they had a, a whole lot of like former SSDP SSDPers um, on a panel um, before the dinner on the Saturday night talk about um, they were people who'd been like particularly screwed over by the drug war in the US. Um, so there were issues around um, you know one was an uh, injecting drug user and one had had uh, a whole crazy time with um you know experiencing psychedelics but stigmatization from his like local community and all that kind of stuff um and who else um yeah there was someone who talked and this is sort of my area as well who talked a lot about um their problems that they faced in school and in high school and sort of stuff and there was actually um a couple of people from ssdp chapters in 
high schools that have been set up in the mm. US oh, as really? well. Which yeah, is in next Canada fr- as well. Yeah, that's got... the huge next frontier. How does, uh, that, how does that go down? Yeah, <laughs> I, t- I had a chat to him actually, um, Matthew from New, New Mexico. Um, yeah, it's like a high school in New Mexico that has an SSDP chapter now. So he had been caught on campus with, I think, you know, cannabis or something like that, something minor. And um, would, was that was obviously a huge issue for the school and the probably the local community as well. And then he ended up he had a couple of supportive teachers who I think put him in touch with SSDP and they ended up setting a cha- up a chapter there That's um, very and doing a whole lot of advocacy around that issue. So yeah, I, and that was personally really interesting as well because that's sort of my area um, in looking at drug education in high schools. So yeah. yeah, that's really interesting to see that there's movement on that and hopefully we can get the same thing going here one day. Um, so that was actually another real highlight. It was full of highlights. Everything, everything was a highlight, really, when you're in that <laughs> and kind it was of a environment. Well, you were only there for what? Se- yeah, it was, I was gone for seven days. Seven but with days. the travel, it was like three days of travel, for three days conference to, you know, to half a day in San Francisco. <laughs> you that got was one day, idea, so. one day to Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was very quick, very like um, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. but um, And that's why I, and, and when you're thrown into such a, um, I don't know, because when you're here and you're doing drug policy, it's all, you know, around, obviously around our issues, but then you're kind of, it's almost like you're just plucked and put into like a cloud with everyone else above it all. And you're just kind of like talking about how it is all, uh, how it all intersects between everyone. Um, And then you go back home and you take it, hopefully take it all back and let it inspire you. And yeah, it's, um, I think that the energy at the end of the conference was really strong and really, really, really hopeful around yeah. like the future of was, drug policy. Was there any, because yeah. um, um, we're, we're just about out of time, mm. but was there mm. any uh, um, sort of uh, coming together for some, some big agreements of what SSDP as a, as a big, um, you know, international organization can, can work, work towards? Totally. There's that. And there's also... Um, More so than just SSDP, yeah. we're coming together as different youth networks. That's what mm. we were doing in yeah. Thailand exactly. um, in January. Mm. Um, so there's a movement called Paradigma, yep. which is paradigm in Spanish, obviously, mm-hmm. um, which in Thailand we had people from about oh, 25, 30 yep. odd different countries, youth from all these countries kind of working on what we're going to do towards 2019. So we can definitely do a Probably show a about the whole that, international That's a whole other conversation movement. really about yeah, where we can take that. So yeah, in terms of... Um, creating that international youth network there's ssdp and it's chapters overseas and everything but there's also up to 20 and probably a whole lot more that we can Mm. engage with um harm reduction drug policy organizations globally um Mm. that are being involved in this network so it's really just the beginning in terms of going global yeah yep so just a quick plug for another ssdp conference that will be coming up this year we are organizing (laughs) one on the 12th and 13th of august uh here in melbourne so we're hoping to get as, you know, students from interstate, as many as we can, in to kind of get the same thing happening because uh, we can do radio work, we can do webinars, we can do all of this, but to get everyone in the same place for a weekend will be yeah. um, pretty extraordinary, I think. Yeah. Australia? Yeah, it's place. huge, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're just about out of time. Is there any uh, final things that people want to announce, any events coming up or, uh, you know, maybe a, a quick anecdote on some stories from the week <laughs> since well, we haven't been able to cover news this week? I don't think we have time for news, but we should probably... Um, like the bicycle day events and maybe oh my god yeah it is bicycle day that's um uh two two weeks away uh with the australian psychedelic society um uh screening the uh sunshine makers which is a film about nick sands and tim uh, nick sands and tim scully i think are their names uh they were making a lot of the uh, lsd in the 1960s and uh were sort of uh part of a um what was called a an lsd cult by some but i'm not sure uh if that was appropriate that's happening um and you can find out more on Australian Psychedelic Society Facebook. 
There's also Unham uh, having a live uh, Facebook event on the 12th. That's this coming Wednesday, and it's a bit of an opportunity to touch base with Unham, find out what they've been up to, what they're planning to do in mm. the future, and how you can get involved. So I think there'll be an SSDP table there as well for some of the Sydney students. Excellent. Yeah. Getting together with Unharm, which is really cool. Yep, and Unharm being New South Wales based, but mm. uh, hey, we have the internet. We don't need to geographically lock ourselves to places. Uh, we'll be back same time next week. Uh, don't forget as well, uh, competition. It's all on the website. Find us on social media if you want to get in contact. Uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Queering Air is up next on 3CR. We'll uh, see you later. Enjoy the rainy afternoon. This is In Psychedelia. Comments, complaints, or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter, or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In Psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. You've been listening to a 3CR community radio podcast of In Psychedelia. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.